0: Section seventeen of From the Tower Window of My Book House. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand. From the Tower Window of My Book House. Edited by Olive Beaupré Miller. The Melting Pot by Israel Zangwill. Part one on one of the great ocean liners that ploughed its way through the broad atlantic from europe towards america there once crossed a young jewish lad from russia with hundreds of other europeans poor peasants mostly in every sort of odd european costume and speaking every variety of odd european tongue he was close packed in the rocking steerage of the boat the berth in which he slept was scarcely wider than his fiddle-case and it hung near the kitchen where the hot rancid smell of food and the oil of the machinery made offensive odors all day long and all night long but in spite of this david quixano was happy he was going to america america the land of all his hopes his whole life long he had dreamed of going to america everybody in Kishinev, the russian city where he lived had friends there or got money orders from there and the very earliest game he could ever remember playing was selling off his toy furniture and setting up in america If the journey sometimes seemed hard and long, he had only to pretend that he had been shipwrecked, and that after clinging to a plank five days on the lonely Atlantic, his frozen form had been picked up by this great safe steamer, and then his poor little berth seemed delightful and the rancid food delicious. Sometimes, too, he got out his beloved little old fiddle and played and played till he drew crowds of friendly faces about him. Somehow faces that turned towards David were always friendly, for there was that in the sunny warmth of his smile that left no room for aught but friendliness to answer it. A sunbeam took human shape when he was born, his uncle had once said. And yet back in Russia David had left the blackest memories. In the crowded Russian pale at Kishineff, wherein alone the Russian government permitted the Jews to dwell he had once been the wonder child who learned to play the violin none knew how out of his own heart out of his own soul with no other master and old and young rich and poor among the jews had loved him there dwelt his mother too and his father and his sisters and his brothers all happy together in the simple life of their little home Then one day came into Kishinev a mysterious colonel in the uniform of the Tsar, and from him there began to ooze out into the city a secret poison of hatred against the Jews. Hatred and prejudice, calling itself religion, stirring the ugliest passions of men, first rumbling faintly like thunder in the distance, then swelling and roaring and gathering momentum till at last it burst in a hideous storm. Men and women and mobs, the scum of the town population, bore down on the unoffending dwellers in the pale shouting bay Zida," that is to say kill the jews hither and thither they ran like tigers looting trampling peaceful men and women underfoot pitching children out of windows stealing money gold silver jewels while the police and military officials lifted not a finger to protect the helpless or to stay the dastardly crime before david's very eyes father mother sisters brothers fell down to the youngest babe while that mysterious colonel in the uniform of the czar stood by with cold aloofness giving orders and looking on david himself but escaped with his life because he was shot in the shoulder and fell to the ground unconscious so the murderers left him for dead ah david was a sunny lad indeed but when he thought back on what had happened to him in russia all the world for him was twisted out of shape he saw it all through a fiery red mist Grief and anger filled his soul and he shrieked out against that butcher's face shrieked out as though in all his life Was but one wish to find the owner of that face and make him pay the penalty for his crime At such times he would get down his beloved fiddle and play and play and play At first his violin would send forth crashing Discords like the discord in his soul But always and last his music fell into the sweet concord of perfect harmony with all the notes blending in unison then gradually the red mist would disappear and david be himself again at length the great steamer drew into new york harbor a little tug came out to meet it leaving behind a smudgy trail of smoke and as the small boat bobbed up and down on the choppy waves just beside the great one a pilot made a perilous ascent by a swinging ladder up the side of the liner to the deck all round about were hundreds of other tugs and launches great boats and little boats from every quarter of the world with funnels painted all different colors and flags of every nation fluttering in the breeze but best of all to David as he stood close to the rail looking out on it all with a fast-beating heart were the American flags he saw everywhere the stars and stripes emblem of the America of his dreams the America where were forever impossible the horrors of Kishineff soon the shoreline of lower new york appeared its giant skyscrapers at tremendous heights cleaving the blue of the sky but as the sea-weary passengers crowded to the rail that which beckoned them first that which bade them tenderly welcome as to a land of promise was the colossal statue of liberty rising out of the harbour in the midst of jew and gentile russian and pole greek and italian armenian and turk german and hungarian norwegian and swede there stood david and before these wanderers from europe who had turned their backs on the old world and their faces toward the new loomed up out of the shining blue waters that great gilded statue lifting high her torch to lighten all the world some among those immigrants tossed their caps in the air and cheered some laughed and sang some turned soon to other things but some like david kept their eyes fixed in that one direction moved almost to tears back of them lay who knew what of suffering injustice and crushing poverty but before them lay the land of hope of equal rights and opportunities to david that gigantic torch lifted high above the world a great ideal of liberty and justice equal rights for jew and gentile rich and poor black and white an ideal which should some day draw all men up to it in one grand brotherhood that was the dream that had led them there led him forth out of the blood-soaked Kishinev to the shores of the land of promise and so clasping tight in his arms his beloved fiddle in its shabby case he watched with solemn joy his joyousness did not desert him even during the trying time when herded like cattle he and the other immigrants were put off at ellis island and marshalled and driven through all the series of rigid examinations with which our united states welcomes newcomers to her shores no david had no complaints to make he loved it all he could not even speak the language of america and yet he was not lonely the language of its spirit spoke surely to his heart and made him feel at home at length the day came when there he was in new york itself and there was his good old uncle mendel Quixano, to meet him and his dear old grandmother too a venerable figure in the prescribed black wig of the orthodox jewess clasping him in her arms and half sobbing his name in yiddish dovedel, dovedel, dovedel ah but the home where his uncle and grandmother lived in new york seemed fine to him after the garret from which he had come in russia and his tiny cramped quarters on the boat it was an old house having a veranda with pillars in the colonial style and on the door was carefully nailed a mezuzah, a tiny metal case containing a passage from the bible which every good jew was commanded to have fastened to his doorpost in the comfortable living-room cheap chairs stood next to a grand piano piled with music huge mouldering old hebrew tomes assorted with modern english books and on the walls pictures of wagner columbus washington and lincoln had to make themselves at home beside the mizrach or sacred jewish picture hanging ever on the east wall toward jerusalem the whole effect was a curious blend of shabbiness americanism jewishness and music all four of which seemed combined in the figure of Mendel Quixano, an elderly music master with a fine Jewish face pathetically furrowed by misfortune and graced by a short grizzled beard. A shabby place enough, Mendel would often say, looking discontentedly about. But David always made answer, What's the matter with this room? It's princely. If it were only on board a boat, not the richest man in America could afford such a magnificent cabin. In truth, mendel quixano had been somewhat soured by misfortunes and disappointment and he had by no means the sunny nature of david with big hopes of becoming a great musician he had come to america only to find that in order to pay the rent and support himself and his mother he must give music lessons every day in the week to the little brainless earless thumb-figured gentiles when his whole soul longed for the best in music he must play cheap waltzes and ragtime for dances at theatres and in music halls Ach, what a life what a life he would often sigh mendel did not see in america what david did he saw that there was still much prejudice here against his race still much injustice greed and inequality among men his thoughts were only half turned forward toward the new world half they were still turned back towards the past toward the sad history of the jews and the wrongs they had suffered at the hands of the gentiles all down through the ages and the old grandmother who loved david so dearly she who had lost her whole family save david and mendel in europe she was wrapped up in thinking of the past in observing the rites and ceremonies of her religion as her father had done and her father's father before her life was sad and lonely for her in america where she had no friends and understood nothing of the language for never in all the ten years since mendel had brought her there had she dropped her yiddish or learned to speak a single word of english loving and considerate of the dear old grandmother was david patient with all her little peculiarities and demands affectionate and obedient to his uncle mendel yet his own face was always turned with joyous confidence toward the present and the future away from the dead and vanished past true as time went on he too perceived that in america men were greedy still dishonest selfish unjust and thither came many a one who thought that liberty meant the freedom to do as he chose instead of the freedom to do as he ought Yet, in spite of it all he kept his faith firm and strong in the america of his dreams that america which he came to see existed yet as an idea only but an idea that would surely compel men into line with it one day govern them wholly and so reveal itself as the only true america there ever was or ever could be with this unseen yet real america david kept his faith and he gradually came to express all that he thought and felt about it in a great piece of music his american symphony Yet he was only a poor musician, playing as Mendel did in theatres and cheap dance halls. How was he ever to get his symphony, into which he had put his whole heart and soul, played by a great orchestra before the public? It was the dream of his life to hear it actually coming out of violins and cellos, drums and trumpets, thundering its message to America and all the world. But how was he to get it done? How? Mendel did not understand this symphony, and only half believed it to be great it must he was sure be full of faults since david was so young so inexperienced and had never had a teacher for even the simplest rules of harmony yet mendel was proud of his nephew and he believed that if only david could be sent to germany to study he might perhaps really produce something great but how was this even to be accomplished when they were so poor and scarcely now made both ends meet one day david played as he often did without pay at a charitable entertainment in a great settlement house that lent its aid to hundreds of immigrants just as he had once been Thither came Dutchmen and Frenchmen, Italians and Greeks, Norwegians and Swedes, still in outlandish garments, still jabbering in outlandish tongues, with little round brown-eyed children and little round blue-eyed children, all meeting together on the grounds of a few broken words of English, and how they listened and soaked in David's music, how they cheered and whistled and applauded. At the settlement David met Miss Vera Revendahl, who was one of the workers there, vera loved music as dearly as david and was interested at once in his playing though david never dreamed it vera was russian and had been born in that same kishineff so connected for him with hideous memories overtopped by the butcher's face her father was a member of the nobility and a faithful follower of the tsar sharing all the contempt of the russian aristocrats for the lower classes and their hatred and prejudice against the jews yet vera even as a little schoolgirl, had seen with a heart overflowing with compassion what misery and poverty was wrought among the russian people by the tyranny of the czar what rights to liberty and happiness had the lower classes in russia none 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 all russia existed for the pleasure of the nobles and the czar with a fearless uncompromising childish demand for justice vera refused all respect or reverence for the czar once when she was in attendance at the imperial high school the czar had come thither to pay an annual visit as was his custom he tasted the food that was served the children and the high and mighty honour of finishing what he had left was reserved for the show pupil from among all the classes on vera this honour fell but when the plate of mutton sanctified by the royal touch was set before her she horrified all the expectant circle about by passionately pushing it from her and passing it off to be consumed by the poorest among the servants that was the sort of girl young Vera was, and though she had loved her father dearly, the Baron Rivendal, honest but bigoted, clung obstinately to his class and the service of the Tsar. So when Vera was arrested as revolutionist, attempting to overthrow the government of tyranny in Russia, he had turned his back on his motherless daughter. Vera was sentenced to exile in desolate Siberia, and thither she would have been set, had she not escaped from her jailers, and made her way to America, where she found her life-work among the poor in the settlements of New York of all this david knew nothing and no more did vera know or dream that david was a jew the two found simple pleasure in their mutual love of music a short time after david's first appearance at the settlement an invitation was sent him to play for them once more and vera went herself one bright winter's afternoon to seek him out and get his consent in person on that particular day david was from home and mendel quixano in a seedy velvet jacket and red carpet slippers had just given some little careless johnny his music lesson Suddenly from the kitchen came the noise of an irate Irish voice and the shrill yiddish of an angry Frau Quixano. Divil take thy butter, cried Kathleen, the Irish servant. I wouldn't put up with yeas not for a hundred dollars a week. Voschwis du shrilled Frau Quixano. Got in Himmel, Dis is America Mendel heaved a deep sigh. Ha mother and Kathleen at it again, he muttered. It seemed to him that one's very servants in America hated the Jews. Pots and pans and plates and knives went on Kathleen still in the kitchen, sure tis enough to make a saint trazy, and she burst into the living room, clutching at a white tablecloth. Bad luck to me if I ever take service again with Hayden Jews. Just then she perceived Mendel huddled up in the armchair by the fire and gave a little scream. Ach! I thought she was out. Mendel rose, and so you dared to be rude to my mother. She said, I put mate on a butter plate. Kathleen angrily protested well answered Mendel you know that's against her religion but I didn't do nothing of the sort I only put butter on a mate plate that's just as bad the Bible forbids both butter and meat sure who can remember all that Kathleen began venting her spite on the litter of things she was vigorously clearing off the table why don't you have a sensible religion you are impertinent Mendel seated himself at the piano and began to play softly attend to your work. And isn't it in the Sabbath cloth I am? Don't answer me back. Faith, I must answer somebody back and sorry a word of English she understands. I might as well talk to a tree. What way can I be understandin' her jabberin' and gibberin'? I'm not a monkey. Why don't she talk English like a Christian? You are not paid to talk, but work, said Mendel. And who can work with an old woman naglin' and grizzlin' and faultin' me? Mate plates, butter plates, kosher threpka sure I've smashed up folks crockery and they making less fuss about it Mendel stopped playing breaking crockery is one thing and breaking a religion another said he didn't you tell me when I engaged you that you had lived in other Jewish families and is it a liar ye would make me out now cried Kathleen angrily I've lived with clothiers and pawnbrokers and vaudeville actors but I never struck a house whose mate and brother couldn't be as paceable on the same plate as eggs and bacon Faith, ye can keep your dirty wages. I give ye notice. I'll quit off this blissed minute.' And she dumped down a silver candlestick and rushed hysterically off to her room. Just then there came a rat-a-tat-tat at the street door. "'Kathleen!' Mendel hurried to the door of the irate maiden's room. "'There's a visitor!' "'I'm not here,' called Kathleen angrily from within. "'So long as you are in this house, you must do your work,' ordered Mendel i told you i was lavin at once let ye open the door yourself but i'm not dressed to receive visitors it may be a new pupil and off went mendel leaving kathleen not to do but obey the divil fly away with me if ever from this how i set foot among heathen furriners muttered kathleen emerging from her stronghold and crossing unwillingly to the door as she opened it vera appeared in the vestibule her beautiful face glowing forth from a setting of snowy furs is mr quixano at home asked vera "'Which, Mr. Quixano?' queried Kathleen sulkily. "'The one who plays,' answered Vera. "'There isn't a one who plays,' Kathleen's voice was fairly snappy. "'You're wrong entirely. They both plays.' "'Oh, dear,' smiled Vera. "'Then it's the one who plays the violin. "'Mr. David, I want to see.' "'He's out.' Kathleen made a move to slam the door. "'Don't shut the door,' cried Vera. "'I want to leave a message.' "'Then why don't you come inside? "'It's freezing me, yar and Kathleen sneezed aloud and accusing achoo i'm sorry vera entered the room will you please tell mr Quixano that miss rivendell called from the settlement and what way will i be telling him all that bridal kathleen i'm not here what cried vera not here i'm leaving as soon as i've me trunk packed then may i write the message at this desk if the old woman don't come and spy you what old woman asked vera old mr quixano's mother she wears a black wig she's that oly vera was bewildered but why should she mind my writing look at the clock kathleen drew her face into an expression of comical solemnity if you're not quick it'll be shabot and lord forbid any work be done in this house on shabot be what cried vera kathleen held up her hands in horror you don't know what shabot is a jewish not know her own sunday vera froze on the instant after all, the prejudice of the most aristocratic blood in Russia was not wholly blotted out in her. She felt outraged that anyone should mistake her for a Jewess. I a Jewess, how dare you? she cried. I am Russian. Then she added slowly, as if half dazed, do I understand that Mr Quixano is a Jew? Two Jews, Miss, answered Kathleen. Both of them. Oh, but it is impossible, murmured Vera. He had such charming manners. Are you sure Mr. Quixano is not Spanish?' "'Spanish!' Kathleen picked up an old Hebrew book on the armchair. "'Look at the old lady's book. Is that Spanish?' And she pointed to the mizrach on the wall. "'And that holy picture, is that Spanish?' Convinced against her will that David was a Jew, Vera suddenly changed her mind about leaving him a message. "'Don't say I called it all,' said she but just at that moment mendel quixano appeared in the room completely transformed in his neat prince albert coat and vera could not escape when he learned it was david whom she had come to see he invited her in so gentlemanly a manner to wait that she struggled with her prejudice overcame it and sat down that wonderful boy a jew she kept saying to herself but then so is david the shepherd youth with his harp and his psalms the sweet singer in israel While she waited, conversing with Mendel, Frau Quixano came into the room with excited gesticulations, chattering in Yiddish angry complaints against Kathleen. Perceiving her precious Hebrew book on the floor where Kathleen had dropped it, she cried out in horror, picked it up, and kissed it piously. Hruig, mutter, hruig! Mendel pressed her soothingly into her fireside chair, then he added to Vera, she understands barely a word of English. Frau Quixano eyed the newcomer suspiciously tell her i hope she is well said vera mendel translated the young woman's words into yiddish but frau quixano only shrugged her shoulders and said in despairing astonishment gut un wie soll es gut gehen in america she asked how can anything possibly go well in america mendel explained ah said vera then your mother does not like america mendel half smiled her favorite exclamation is a klug zu Columbusen," that is Cursed be Columbus. Vera laughed as the old woman settled herself to read. But your nephew, he does not curse America? she said. David? Ah, no. He is crazy about America. My mother came here with her life behind her. David with his life before him. Mendel paused for a moment. Then he went on gloomily. But what is there here for him, poor boy? only a terrible struggle for existence music-halls and dance-halls beer-halls and weddings every hope and ambition will be ground out of him and he will die obscure and unknown the musician's head sank sadly on his breast and frau quixano began to sob faintly over her book there said vera you have made your mother cry oh no said mendel she understood nothing she always cries on the eve of sabbath she knows that in this great grinding america david and i must go out to work and earn our bread on sabbath as on weekdays. she never says a word to us but her heart is full of tears poor old woman said vera for a time nothing was heard in the room save the low sobbing of frau quixano and the roar of the wind with the slowly gathering dusk there seemed to droop over all a lurking pall of sadness then suddenly a happy voice was heard outside singing my country tis of thee sweet land of liberty of thee i sing frau quixano pricked up her ears do is dovidel she cried the whole atmosphere seemed changed at once from grief to joy as david opened the door and appeared on the threshold a buoyant snow-covered figure carrying a violin case and clad in a cloak and a broad-brimmed hat isn't a beautiful world uncle he cried snow the divine white snow then perceiving the visitor he removed his hat and looked at her with boyish reverence and wonder miss revendahl here he cried if i had only known you were waiting don't look so surprised said vera smiling i haven't fallen from heaven like the snow i'm glad you didn't know i was waiting your uncle told me you were playing at the crippled children's home i wouldn't have cheated those little ones of a moment of their music ah it was bully you should have seen the cripples waltzing with their crutches even the paralyzed danced if they hadn't the use of their legs their arms danced on the counterpane if their arms couldn't dance their hands danced if their hands couldn't dance their heads danced if their heads couldn't dance why their eyes danced dear little cripples i felt as though i could play them all straight again with the love and joy pumping out of this old fiddle es var grosartig granny and david moved toward the old grandmother by the fire patting her cheek and greeting while she responded with a loving smile ere she settled herself to slumber contentedly over her book when david learned that vera had come to ask him to play once more at the settlement he was overjoyed but we can't offer you a fee said vera a fee cried david i'd pay a fee to see all those happy immigrants you gather together it's almost as good as going to ellis island what a strange taste Vera smiled. Who on earth wants to go to Ellis Island? Oh, David's face beamed, I love going to Ellis Island to watch the ships coming in from Europe, and to think that all those weary sea-tossed wanderers are feeling what I felt when America first stretched out her great mother hand to me. You were very happy? asked Vera softly. Happy? It was heaven! You must remember that all my life America was waiting for me beckoning shining the place where god would wipe away tears from off all faces his voice ended with a queer little catch in his breath that always proclaimed his thoughts had gone back to Kishinev. mendel rose and went to him half frightened now now david don't get excited he said but david paid no heed to think that the same great torch of liberty which threw its light across all the broad seas and lands into my little garret in Russia is shining also for all those other weeping millions of Europe, shining wherever men hunger and are oppressed? Yes, yes, David. Mendel laid his hand soothingly on his shoulder. Now sit down, and— Shining over the starving villages of Italy and Ireland, over the swarming stony cities of Poland and Galatia, over the ruined farms of Romania, over the shambles of Russia. Oh, Miss Rivendell! David's voice was choking now with the depths of his feeling. When I look at our Statue of Liberty, I just seem to hear the voice of America crying. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, rest. Don't talk any more now, David. Mendel's voice had taken a tone of command. You can express all this that you feel in your American symphony. Ah, you compose music, cried Vera eagerly, for it was the first time she had known that David did more than play and you find inspiration for your composing in america yes david grew calm again i find inspiration in the seething of the crucible the crucible cried vera i do not understand not understand you the spirit of the settlement not understand that america is god's crucible the great melting pot where all the races of europe are melting and reforming Here you stand, good folk, think I, when I see them at Ellis Island, in your fifty groups with your fifty blood-hatreds and rivalries. But you won't be long like that, brothers, for these are the fires of God you've come to. These are the fires of God. A fig for your feuds and vendettas. Germans and Frenchmen, Irishmen and Englishmen, Jews and Russians, into the crucible with you all. God is making the American. I should have thought the American was made already, said Mendel, eighty millions of him eighty millions cried david in good-humored derision no uncle the real american has not yet arrived he is only in the crucible i tell you he will be the fusion of all races perhaps the coming superman ah what a glorious ending for my symphony if i could only write it somehow vera understood david better than his uncle or any one else had ever done david knew it he felt it those others saw america as a certain wide stretch of land bounded by the atlantic and pacific they saw the american as the man whom they daily met in the streets with his good points and his bad But Vera understood David's vision of America as a great ideal of liberty, humanity, and justice, and the real American as he who should some day express that ideal, representing in himself the melting together of all that was best and highest in the races of the world, purified from their old differences, their old false systems, their old hatred and prejudices, their old suspicions and deceits. "'Won't you give a bit of your symphony at our concert?' asked Vera eagerly. "'Oh, it needs an orchestra.' David was once again boyishly shy. But you at the violin and I at the piano ah you didn't tell me you played miss Rivendell interrupted Mendel I told you less commonplace things smiled Vera yes I studied at Petersburg there wasn't much music at Kishinev Kishinev on the instant David was trembling yes said Vera my birthplace so David shuddered violently you are a Russian calm yourself David Mendel came protectingly toward him. Not much music at Kishineff, David laughed strangely. No, only the death march, Mother, father, ah, cowards, murderers, and you he shook his fist in the air, you looking on with your cold butcher's face, oh God, oh God, and he ran shamefacedly out of the room. What have I done? cried Vera. Frau Quixano, who had fallen asleep over her book, awoke suddenly, as if with a sense of horror, and gazed dazedly about. Dovidel, Vuh est mir doch Mendel pressed her back into her slumbers. Du tromst, Mutar, Schlaf! His father and mother were massacred, whispered Vera hoarsely. Yes, before his very eyes, answered Mendel sadly. Terrible! cried Vera, terrible! Mendel shrugged his shoulders hopelessly it is only jewish history gone now was vera's prejudice against david on the contrary her interest in the young musician had increased to such an extent that she offered to do her best to interest someone in him someone rich enough to send him to germany to study and mendel who would have been too proud to accept from a gentile ought for himself was grateful almost ready to beg such a favor for david scarcely had she left the house when david came back into the room once more composed though somewhat dazed she is gone he asked oh but i have driven her away by my craziness but she understood uncle she understood my crucible of god you don't know what it means to me to have someone who understands even you have never understood nonsense mendel was wounded how can miss rivendahl understand you better than your own uncle what true understanding can there ever be between a russian jew and a russian christian what understanding cried david why aren't we both americans Mendel shrugged his shoulders dryly as he went out through the street-door. Once left to himself, David set eagerly to work, writing down on his musical manuscript all that had come to him as he talked with Vera. But he had worked only a few moments when Frau Quixano yawned, awakened and stretched herself, then looked at the clock. Shabos, she said, and rising, she lit the candlesticks on the table with a muttered Hebrew benediction. Crossing over to David as he sat, absorbed in his work, she touched him on the shoulder to remind him that he must stop his writing. On the shabosh. End of section seventeen.